record before I forget. All right, so <laughs> this is probably like one of the, the hardest reading assignments of this whole next year. Um, so we are, if we, if you are following along in the workbook, uh, the Learn of Me workbook, this is um, page two through 20, I believe, right? Um, and this is Jesus Christ, his life summary. This isn't one that you're, you're going to find in the, the topical guide section, but um, this is kind of just a, a very <laughs> synoptic uh, overview of Christ's life and, and things. And I don't know about you, but as I was going through this, I still haven't even finished these, even with an extended week. There have been so many different aha moments and rabbit holes and, and things that I've been going down and stuff like this was like the best exercise to get me pumped up for next year's come follow me to to actually dive into the gospels again mm -hmm. like I am so excited to to study about Christ with each new book I read or scripture study I do it just prepares me all the more for every round of, of scripture reading and so yeah these past few years with um with y'all and and the books that we've read have really opened my eyes to what the the gospel writers are are even saying or alluding to or or putting in parable and um anyway so just opening it up what stood out to you guys what did you learn um from some of these basic rehearsed stories that we could pretty much quote verbatim but yet um, uh, they're just appearing in, in new light, but what did you all, um, uh, learn and, and grow with, uh, this, these past couple of weeks as you've, uh, reread about Christ? Dreams. <laughs> Dreams are everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> no, that's, it. that's it. One word. Good job. <laughs> Dreams. <laughs> yeah, I have that written out to the side here. I'm like, holy God. like I knew that they were all dreams, but like at the same time, now that I'm really focused on them, I'm like, oh my God, everything's a dream. Like the Lord works in dreams all the time. And and why wouldn't he today if he did back then? Mm -hmm. But one of the things I keep thinking is that as you, and I've said this before, is as you progress up the ladder, your dreams become more for other people and for the world they literally would be so different than just our own personal mm -hmm. you know revelations and and our personal growth so i think dreams probably ascend up the ladder as well mm -hmm. yeah we get uh, that increasing revelation and stuff and you know along with that where um you know prophets when we studied abraham for example you know he starts off on on kind of a very localized vision level but as he's working up until he receives the full cosmic vision of of all of god's creations just like you said there and yeah and and finding out that that's the pattern for us all too i also thought it was interesting um i've not made that distinction um but before but mary receives um what sounded like a visitation and joseph received a dream to let him you know, know what was actually going on. And so he was able to understand um, the situation better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's some some very fun things throughout those. I feel like I got to know Mary a lot better 
um, through um, these first few little sections, these first couple pages here. Yes, and she gives her consent at the end. You know, she she says, "Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me, be it unto me according to thy word." Mm -hmm. Yeah, where are you talking about the uh, levels of the ladder? I think I don't know. It seems like this is telling us what level she's on, so. because. Like on the son-servant level, if you take the, the woman part, it's daughter handmaid. And she's saying, behold, thy handmaid. I think that might be, she's telling us that's the level that she's on. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. You're right, I'm sure. And it's interesting. I had never really paid attention to, the, to that much in, in the words, but doing lots of word searches and, and looking things up. Um, that second paragraph there in that first section, um, and when she saw him, the, the angel, Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this might be. And this one just like totally rocked my my brain for a couple of days of what is that saying? Like, I, I don't know, I just quoted it a whole bunch of times, but like, I never really understood what it meant. And so when it says to cast in her mind, I did a, a deep dive study on what it means to cast um, this last year. And, and it's quite extensive. Uh, I encourage anybody to do that word study. Um, there's casting out and there's casting lots and they all go down to the same root Greek word. And um, interesting how that applies here that she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this might be. And to the best of my ability, as far as I can uh, surmise that she is using kinesiology in the um, in testing, if it's a true messenger. And by um, uh, DNC 129, kind of as the litmus test there, what manner of salutation this might be, um, as, the, as we should always do when we are entertaining angels, to, to make sure that they are angels of light and not just trying to deceive us. Um, and so she was um, troubled at his saying, but she used her previous gospel knowledge to go, okay, I know what to do, and and we're, we're going to see if this is a, a, a real messenger, a true messenger. And the angel said unto her, fear not. And that's what angels always say when they are uh, coming from the, the proper source. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And anyway... That, that was just one big aha moment to me of this little 15-year-old girl knew what she was doing. Like she was a, a, a very bright um, young woman, highly prepared for this divine mission that she was to fulfill. But yeah, what else stood out to, to everyone? It's kind of too broad of a question, isn't it? Because there's so much in here. Um, th this was another fun side study. So, I mean, no one else is going <laughs> to chime in. I'll, I'll take it over. But um, on page four, with the um, the story of him being left 
and finding him in the temple. So this is from Luke chapter 2, 41 through 50. And <laughs> this was such an awesome study. Um, so looking at the original Greek, I think that we find uh, a lot more nuance to this story. And so I would like to go to Bible Hub real quick and uh, check it out. Um, oh, yeah. L asked in the chat what we were talking about with dreams. Here's my uh, I put that link in the chat with uh, my interview with Megan Farner. It's so good. <laughs> good. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, so this is like my go-to. I visit this thing thousands of times a day. <laughs> Biblehub.com is one of the greatest references. But, you know, like the book nerd that I am, I've got all of these books <laughs> on my, my shelf, but, but technology is so fast while we have it, right? <laughs> so... Um, Let's look at uh, Luke chapter two. So if we click up at the top and it brings up all the books, uh, we can scroll down to Luke and we can go to chapter two and start looking at, oh, and we've got verse 41. So this tool here goes through lots of different versions uh, or translations of the Bible. So we can see the King James version uh, here as well. Um, but let's kind of compare some of these translations as we get into the story. So uh, Jesus and, and his parents go up to Jerusalem for Passover, as was the custom with everyone. Uh, they make a pilgrimage there. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to this custom of the feast. So interestingly enough, Christ is considered an adult. 12 years old is when they have their bar mitzvah. That's when they are considered of, of legal adult age. Um, you know, we have it as 18. I can't even imagine a 12-year-old being considered an adult, but, but here we go. Uh, this is ancient times, and uh, we've got different customs here. But when the festival was over, uh, when the feast day, when Passover was done, then they head home and they go for a whole day thinking that he's with the whole crowd, the whole family's traveling back um, to their, their homes, but they did not know that he was not with them until a whole day had passed. So it takes a day to, to realize and a day to travel back to Jerusalem. And then, um, is it for day? Verse 44, verse 45. Oh, yeah. Okay. So verse 46 is where it gets interesting. And so after three additional days, they're looking around Jerusalem for three days. They find him in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers, listening and asking them questions. So, you know, <laughs> he's been gone for five days. Can you imagine? But I mean, they are considering him an adult, but at Still, he's 12 years old and, and lost for five days. Can't even imagine what they're, they're thinking. Um, but they were all amazed at his wisdom. But here's the part. Um, let's read from, from King James uh, first off. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt the, uh, thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And then going to the next verse, King James, and he said unto them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 
to me, I had always interpreted that one way, but uh, with looking at some different translations and the original Greek, it brings out a lot of nuances. So let's just kind of take a look down the list. Um, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said unto him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Or here, um, we have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. We have been searching for you in great distress. Um, some even further on down the road say, we've been looking all over Jerusalem for you. Where have you been? And uh, the next verse, I think, is the one that kind of gets translated a little bit incorrectly in the King James. Um, so why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? It, it doesn't say anything about my father's business or anything like that. That's just a King James uh, idiosyncrasy that comes in. Um, but this one was, was really interesting. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Like, if I'm lost, wouldn't I just go home? Like, duh. <laughs> and he said unto them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Um, why is it that you were seeking for me? Did you not know that it behooves me to be in my father's house? Um, anyway, it, that, that verse takes on a little bit new meaning to me as, um, thinking about this young man who, <laughs> he probably knew where he was the whole time and knew that his family was going off, but, but he had some, um, some things to, to do and some, some people to teach. And yet, I find the interaction so interesting that his parents are coming like, we've been looking high and low for you. Where have you been? Why would you be looking for me everywhere? Why wouldn't I be anywhere but the temple? Like, you know me, you know <laughs> my mission. You've seen everything in dreams and visions and prophecies. Where else would I be? <laughs> this is This is my mission kind of a thing. And anyway, so that that scripture just blew my mind this, this last week, pondering upon the implications of that and um, how this 12-year-old Jesus knew exactly where he should be and what he should be doing. And uh, Isn't that amazing? And he hadn't been baptized yet either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something I hadn't really thought of because he, he gets baptized way on down the road. <laughs> I find it interesting that um, and, and related to parenthood <laughs> to, that we tend to worry and, um, stew and fuss and fret more than we ought to, uh, because Joseph could have had a dream to see right where his, his son was. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm teasing a little bit, but I'm really not that, that we can be, um, our mortal worry selves um, can overtake us a, a lot often and a lot and how we just need to to chill mm -hmm. <laughs> turn to the Lord more because they would have saved themselves a whole lot of anger had they they done so um, I really believe that Lord would have shown him um, yeah. if so anyway yeah, exactly. Like, can you imagine they're 
talk on the way back to Jerusalem, like, okay, we just lost the savior of the world. Where'd he go? <laughs> like we're in charge of this little boy that is literally going to save all of us. And <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, in our, normal, that way, Kim. <laughs> our normal bickering as, as parents or whatever. It's totally your fault. Why didn't you take a head count? No, why didn't you take this? <laughs> and I can only imagine. And like, you just kind of let fear overtake because, you know, the worst possible scenarios come to, to mind and you have a whole day <laughs> pacing back angrily. Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know, you know, they're probably the most peaceful people in the world, but <laughs> if it was any of any of us, I, I'm assuming we'd be uh, letting fear replace faith and and not going to the correct source and like, okay, Heavenly Father, give me a dream. I know dreams work. Give me a dream. Where's he at? <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't sound like they were immune to fear, does it? <laughs> it makes me think about Lehi and Sariah when their sons went and Sariah murmuring and Lehi having issues. Yeah. And that's pretty candid. I was I'm surprised that that's so candid in the scriptures. <laughs> right? Can you imagine, Sarah? Afterwards, like seriously, of all the things, that's what <laughs> you wrote about me. All right, <laughs> it's true, but <laughs> considering how hard it was to fit everything into those plates, right? <laughs> it, it must be highly important, then, right? That we, we <laughs> the woes that parents go through. <laughs> Well, it shows the ongoing need to have confirmations or something because Soraya trusted in her husband's mm -hmm. visionary um, way of being to leave, <laughs> just having left everything that I've known. It's, it's not, you know, the most fun thing in the world, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the... I don't know if we can never consider ourselves that we have enough faith to always believe without um, checking in, so to speak. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I know that. Um, what else? What there you go back to the Book of Mormon, the perfect example of Nephi going to the Lord and asking. I mean, there the whole pattern is right there of how to how to handle those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. uh, first thing, I mean, he's asking about uh, the dreams of his father and uh, when he's confronted with <laughs> crazy brothers that he doesn't agree with, uh, how to handle mm -hmm. that kind of a situation, how to handle when the spirit prompts you to behead somebody, you know, just normal day-to-day -day stuff. But and then to be at the Book of Mormon, where how many of us have started the Book of Mormon and started the Book of Mormon and started the Book of Mormon? I'm like, how many times have you heard that story before, before you got stuck on Isaiah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and, and, and I'm certain that that is there for a reason. I mean, mm -hmm. Lehi and his family leaving Jerusalem and leaving their provisions has been a, a big, a big example in, in our life. And we've we have been directed to move five different times with no jobs. And that has brought a lot of peace. Going over that story that many times and going, okay, well, you know, if this is something that really happens. Yeah, I, I, let's do this. <laughs> and it's been such a blessing, such a blessing. Um, all the times that we've moved 
And I can see the hand of the Lord in it all the way through without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Laura, because my daughter and son-in-law have moved up here too. He does not have a job. He left. <laughs> he was, yeah, it'll so work out. And so yeah. You, yeah. Like, you, I have beautiful experiences. I'll let me share one. When we moved um, from Southern California to Lehigh, we, we went without a job and we went without a job and my husband wanted to get into vending. And so he went to a vending company and they're like, oh yeah, we'll get back to you. Well, it was Christmas time and nothing and nothing and nothing. And so we looked at other things. We looked at buying a Dairy Queen and we looked at a pizza place and like different kind of businesses that we could get into. And then, and then a perfect vending job opened up in Utah County, like perfect. It was perfect for us. It was right there. He didn't have to go to Salt Lake. And, and looking back, each of those, each of those little things were little stepping stones to give us just enough hope, enough, just enough to get to the next, to get to where we needed to be, which was beautiful. I mean, it just beautifully supported our family for the, the five years that we were there. I'm just incredible experiences, just incredible. Um, yeah, just a great experience. Mm -hmm. But I'm so grateful for the for Nephi, the way he recorded and what he put in there and the times that he had you know, to go into the wilderness because that's what it felt like. When we left Southern California, we went to Lehigh. It was like going into the wilderness and when we left Lehigh, we went to Illinois. It was like going into the wilderness. That one was really hard. And I have some really good stories about that one. When we came to North Carolina, we knew absolutely no one here. Like nobody. Nobody. And we didn't have a job. And it was amazing. Our whole family came. You know, our all four children and husband and I. And um, we bought a house that needed to be refurbished. So we spent three months doing that. And then, like, the job fell in his lap. <laughs> Beautiful, just beautiful. Anyway, the Lord, the Lord does provide, and just keep the faith and tell your tell your son-in-law it'll be okay. Just you're doing what you have felt to do, and the Lord will take care of the rest. Just it's true. It. Once he gained a testimony, he was like the last one that knew that this is what we were supposed to do, and then the Lord put on his heart that he is being like Lehi, and it was ding and ding in his heart so he still doesn't know how it's going to work but he knows that the lord is leading in like lehigh so so beautiful so you guys are up there in idaho now yeah yep 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 so, are you in your house or are you still i'm in a rental because i don't think we're gonna pour before uh the frost hits so it'll be spring but i've right. been interested in bugs i <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they existed. I mean, I've heard about them, and now I, I've seen them, and I haven't smelt them yet. I'm happy to report. So, anyway, oh. yeah. there's always something everywhere. There's always a test. Yeah. Um. Let's see. There's so many things here. Sermon on the Mount. We've got Jesus's growing up years. I have a quick question uh -huh. before you go past that section. 
um, in the section from Matthew 4, 1 to 11. I was curious um, because I remember in some of our studies, I think it was the three Nephites or just cancelated beings in general, that Satan has no power over them. And in Matthew 4, uh, Jesus is led up, uh, led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And that was thought-provoking and made me wonder if what we've often discussed, I don't know if it's been with you or in a Come Follow Me actual class, that, but I think it's probably with us, <laughs> that Jesus um, in his mortal ministry was actually developing, growing, um, ascending into his role as the savior of the earth that he wasn't obviously as a baby and as a young man growing up. So I'm wondering if that indicates that there was a period in his development where he obviously wasn't really experiencing what it's like to be tempted. So I never really thought about that very deeply, but um, comparing that to what I, my understanding of was of translated beings, um, that just made me wonder, I wonder what level he was at when he was being tempted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, it, this is a tangent, but like kind of <laughs> there, but um, later on when um, Jesus finally gets to the point in his ministry, when he's telling his apostles, well, he's showing them, uh, showing his disciples that he is going to have to be carried up before the scribes, the, the priests, and um, elders, and going to be raised up, killed, and uh, raised again the third day. And then Peter, his response to that, which, you know, I've always heard, but I never understood it. Uh, Peter uh, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. And I was like, I've always taken that story like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, Peter's just being compassionate, right? Like, oh, you're not going to have to go through that kind of a thing. But no, Satan's recognizing that Satan has an influence there on an incorrect doctrine that, I mean, he's trying to tell him this is going to happen. I'm prophesying here. And he's trying to dissuade that prophecy and casting Satan out of, of Peter there. And likewise, with this story that you bring up of Satan being, uh, he's led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted of the devil. And I just found it interesting because we have Satan coming in at some very, uh, I don't know, just weird times that we normally wouldn't think that these people would be anywhere close to uh, Satan's grasp or under his influence in, in any way, shape, or form, or right. subject to him, I should say. Right, and it also made me wonder about, is it the millennial paradisical state or the terrestrial world that is Satan bound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, bound by the righteousness. So that was kind of... <laughs> interesting to consider because in the temple um just before you go into that level 
of the endowment, one of the things that Peter, James, and John do is cast out Satan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he can't be in, in that sort of a state. And so it, it kind of makes it interesting of why did Christ have to, well, I guess Jesus at this point, because he's not the Christ yet, but um, why did Jesus get led up of the spirit into the wilderness? Like, it's almost as if he couldn't have been tempted anywhere else. He had to go to the wilderness. He had to go through like a decent phase in order to even be tested or tempted of, of the devil. Um, it, it almost kind of plays into that, that same, there's a location or a spiritual level that Satan can't enter, but, but through a decent phase um, that there, there possibly could be or, or something. I don't know. It, it's very interesting. But with his temptations, they are very much on par with what um, Avraham uh, points out that Isaiah is teaching, that there are three tests of loyalty, political, ecclesiastical, and um, idolatry, um, or uh, the, the world and stuff. And Jesus goes through those specific three tests of loyalty, just as I, Isaiah prophesies for him and for us um, in that wilderness motif. It's very interesting, but yeah. I, I don't have an answer. I'm just like spitballing like how interesting that pattern is. Sorry, what is three tests again? Uh, the political, ecclesiastical, and um, idolatry. Thank you. As uh, Isaiah puts it, uh, those are on the Zion Jerusalem level of the ladder that... Um, in order, that's the first time that you encounter them. You encounter them all up the, the ladder from that point on, but Zion Jerusalem level is where you first encounter those three tests of loyalty. And um, they have to be mastered in order to, to ascend uh, and live higher laws. But yeah, very interesting point that you bring up there. <laughs> I don't have enough that. So I guess when I do start lucid dreaming, that's that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to figure that one out. I'm assuming that those three tests repeatedly get increasingly more challenging as you, the higher you go up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Zion Jerusalem is the first time that we experience them, but it's definitely not the last. Uh, they'll keep reoccurring it at ever higher levels. Um, let's see, what else? We have so many fun topics here. Was everybody else experiencing that? <laughs> kind of like me, or was I the only one? Just going, holy cow, these stories are like the basics, right? But yet how much aha moments I was having uh, throughout them going, wow, these are just opening up to me in, in new ways, new questions to be asked and, and new things to wrestle with. Cameron, tell me which tests were what. I'm looking at the tests, trying to decide which was political, which was ecclesiastical, and which was idolatry. 
Uh huh. Yeah. So, what are his three tests in the one world? One is one was that um, he was hungry, and so he was tempted to turn stones into bread. Uh -huh. <laughs> Another one um, to cast himself down because it's written that the angels have charge concerning him. And then the last one was to worship until he would be given the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them if he would fall down and worship mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of just like spiritual algebra right <laughs> so yeah, we got to figure out what a b and c are in this equation and so the if we're looking at political ecclesiastical and babylon babylon is definitely the last one right where here's the riches and you need to worship somebody else like this is idolatry to its fullest sense so that one uh babylon is the the third test there and so it's kind of down to distinguishing between the other two and um where he's at the the pinnacle of the temple and um saying you know to uh, what is the thing uh it is written Let's see. I'm trying to find it on the page. Oh, there it is. Okay. Then the devil taketh him up to the into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto them, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. This is an interesting one because Satan's trying to expound the scriptures unto him. Right. right. <laughs> he, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus saith unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so um, I put that one um, firmly in the ecclesiastical test, in, in my point of view, where it's all about, an ecclesiastical test can be in, in various different forms, whether it's actual persecution from um, leaders or whether it is trying to reverse and tell God what to do, uh, where you are trying to usurp him or his authority or his better judgment for your life. Um, so when he says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, um, that, that's more of a, an ecclesiastical test. Um, and then which makes the, the first one a little bit interesting. Um, that one's kind of like trying to, to, to force the issue just a little bit, but um, let's read that one. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so um, it's kind of the render unto Caesar what is of Caesar, render unto God that is which of God. And we're talking about um, taking a mortal um, need or a want and uh, superseding it with um, God taking care of us. And so, um, yes, it fits under the umbrella of political, but political is more of a, a mortal I, I would almost uh, recategorize it as more mortality instead of purely political, um, but just our needs versus our wants or um, just overcoming the natural man. Um, uh, because the natural man wants kings and rulers and 
the the niceties of life kind of a thing and so um, that's where I would put that that test so in political ecclesiastical Babylon they they seem to kind of follow that order uh, the political test usually comes first ecclesiastical next and then the uh, idolatry test comes after and it seems to be the case in in here as as well as anytime you you find people going through three separate instances like Job or Joseph Smith or literally anyone <laughs> yeah when you find three tests they usually follow that same order I don't know if that helps or if it I I'm not very good at explaining things but well, but maybe think um today that people are would turn to the government for help for food or or housing or whatever so that mm-hmm. would be political right the mm-hmm. same Kind yeah. of thing. And you see that these tests fall in the same order, political, ecclesiastical, and idolatry, and that same order, and that's the order that the Savior received his tests also. I, I, that's what I would say, yeah. It seems in the last days, we have them on, like, three tests as a population. It's more of a universal test kind of a thing, and those don't always necessarily follow in the same order. Uh, you know, I, we're getting attacked on all fronts, right? We, we're having political tests, ecclesiastical tests, and idolatry tests left and right. Um, but on individual stages, um, they they usually follow that that order. I'm not saying always because there are. But would that uh, would that fit for Abraham's tests and Job's tests also? Uh huh. Yeah. I, that at least from what I've studied, they they seem to to follow that order. And again, they're on ever increasing levels. So. You might find those three tests, but then you find more tests, but those are when he's on a sun servant level or a seraphim level, um, that those tests keep reoccurring. Um, but when we find them in holy writ as like three tests of loyalty, they typically follow that order. And is a political test, isn't that like a political regime and a, a oppressive sort of regime where you're being um, maybe having some of your rights to worship um, coming into uh, danger, freedom, uh, your freedoms oppressed. Isn't that considered a political, a descent phase or a political test for Uh, people? Yeah, -hmm. Yeah, it would definitely be in that category. Mm -hmm. That was helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Almost made me wonder if the last test was political. The temptation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, because we're we're talking about temptation to take take um, you know control of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and and you know they they do have some like overlap and stuff too, right? Where. Uh, you know, idolatry is very much in, in a political sense um, in in certain scenarios, especially this one. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's anyway, that's something to kind of ponder. Mm-hmm. Um. One question that I had that I still don't have necessarily resolved because <laughs> there's so many different things to, to study out of this section, but on page nine, um, it's toward the bottom, it's under the 
the Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 11, chapter 1. Um, that second paragraph there, I found this very interesting that I've never taken the scripture into context before. But then, or these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, etc. I mean, there, there's a lot to that. But I mean, even Jesus went up to Samaria, and you know, we have the Samaritan woman at the well, and, and many different examples. He was not afraid of um, mixing with Gentiles or anything like that. It's very interesting that he is commanding them at, at this point um, to not go into the way of the Gentiles or into any Samaritan city, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because are not in our context of all of Jewish history, aren't Samaritans considered the lost sheep of Israel? I mean, they were intermarried with the uh, Assyrians, like when the Assyrians came in, they, they mixed them all up and had them intermarry with many different nationalities and things. Like, would they not be considered the lost sheep? And so what is Christ or, or Jesus uh, instructing them here? And what symbolism does that point to? And and what time frame does it um, fit into the context? These are just lots of little questions that I had when I was reading that. <laughs> I have no idea how to, to quite answer that. And so I think it's going to take some time for me to actually go through all of the chapters preceding and after and, and look at the full rich context and symbolism there. But it just seemed kind of like this interesting paradox that I, I've never had to wrestle with before. Can I ask you a question about this book that we're studying as much as you've dug into it? Do you feel like it is, um, certainly it's not a complete study, but like a good, a good outline? I find it very interesting, the order in which the, the life summary is presented and the, the different scriptures that are used. I would love to, to talk to her and be like, okay, so how did you come up with this? And why did you insert that here? Because it's not one of the, the topical guide things, but, you know, where did it, just kind of the story behind it. It'd be very interesting. The other, the other thing that I wanted to say is, like, I read all through this, and then I just learned more in this one hour that we were together than I got out of this before. And I am super frustrated with myself on that. Don't be at all. Like, why can't I, why can't I, <laughs> why can't I just like, I don't have to go over this so many times. Why can't I just get it? Why can't I just be there and all the study? Why can't I, I still Isaiah, I still struggle with Isaiah. Like, ah, why can't I just open up and just be there? Why does that have to be such, I don't have to be spoon fed it. Dang. <laughs> you summarize like every day of my life. Like <laughs> I say that same thing. I'm like, ah, oh, why am I so dense when it comes to scriptures and stuff? But oh. it eventually comes like you'll, it, I, I, it's a, a daily wrestle for me, so don't don't feel bad at all. Oh, it looks like it comes so easy for you. And then someone just like, um, was I reading this article, and it goes over David O. McCade's temple address and about how the temple, in the temple, is the same as Lehi's vision of the tree of life. Like, that's the same. Like, what? Like, I never put those, like, why can't I put things together? Like, ah, I just get so frustrated. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm diligent and careful and I study and some people just can put things together and make them make sense for me. And I guess everybody has a gift and that's not one of mine. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know what to tell you because yeah, like, like I said, I experience that on a daily basis of holy cow, especially here's like uh, the side and a note of um, the roundtable discussion that I had with Avraham, right? <laughs> I was given 48 hours notice and I was like, please give me this section because I, I don't want to talk about anything else. Like <laughs> I'm not very, I'm only with Isaiah for a couple of years, if that. So like, uh, I just don't be Davidic servant. Don't be Davidic servant. <laughs> and what do I get? I get 48 hours notice that I'm going to be doing it and only 24 hours notice of what the topic was. And then uh, right beforehand, he tells me, oh, and we want you to like actually lead the discussion too. <laughs> Oh and you gosh. did such an amazing job, Cameron. If I was so proud of you. If I was your mom, my heart would just be like, oh my God, this is awesome. I was stressing out so bad. Like like all of those feelings that, that you just expressed there, I was like, I don't know anything. And I don't get all of these things that other people get about Isaiah or the Davidic servant. Like you all know that I don't necessarily agree with Avraham on his interpretation of Davidic servant or anything, but again, I haven't studied. I haven't put in the work that he has either. And so, oh, that was so stressful. <laughs> you did such a good job. Nobody, nobody would have known you were stressed by it. No, it didn't like stressed at all. And you did an amazing job. An amazing job. One other tidbit to it that was so funny. So anyway, uh, Rodolfo sits us down. We all finally join. We're all there, technical glitches and all. And um, he's like, okay, so here's the, the beginning slide. Do I have everyone's name spelled right? And Avraham goes, that's not the scripture block we're studying. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, what? <laughs> we have been cramming for the last <laughs> Are you kidding me? And Rodolfo's like, uh, I'm sorry if there was a miscommunication. This is the the one that we're filming today. Would you like to do a different one, Avraham? And I'm like, no. uh -huh. but at the same time, I'm going, yes, please. I don't want to do Davidic sermon. I'll lead anything but Davidic sermon. <laughs> it was anyway. It was a fun one. <laughs> I don't even get into that. That is so amazing that. I don't even know. Like, how do they? <laughs> I don't call want to get into it again. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. And so here's another question I was going to ask you. Are you getting Jeff and David's emails still? And did you, if you are, are you? I think so. I, I don't know. I, I get so, so many You need to pull out Jeff and David. David sent it out. Um, Jeff has shared something about names. Maybe I can figure out how to send them to you. Let me do that. And then you don't have to look for them. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Just look for my emails. And then look over those and let me know what you think about those. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that just last week or the last time that we studied together? <laughs> um, I referenced uh, President Nelson's talk back in the day called What's in a Name? It is like by far one of the best conference talks ever given. Um, that, that was never even brought up. No, it no. is so good. He The whole talk is, I think it's a, actually, I take it back. It's not a general conference. It's a BYU address. Um, but he goes through all of these Hebrew names 
and the importance of it, and then kind of wraps it up with, and it's really important that we prayerfully name our children <laughs> the proper names that the Lord wants them to have. Oh. And anyway, it was like such a powerful talk. It's a, it's a must read. It sounds like a whole nother discussion night. <laughs> because with what Jeff said and the, those two things and what you just said, oh my heck. So one of them, they took the names of the Old Testament starting with Adam and his son and through the genealogies. And it's a whole phrase, like what, the, is that what you're talking about? What the world is supposed to be like? Um, not, I, he doesn't bring any of that up in um, that talk or whatever, but I have studied that before. And that's one thing that we're going to be doing in our Hebrew vocab study. is we're going to be taking a look and really diving into the symbolism of each letter and then what gematria comes through the the lines as we anyway that's some really nerdy stuff that we'll get into with with our Hebrew class but but yeah there's there's some powerful stuff in that language um you know it's not the Adamic language but it is <laughs> something that we have like zero knowledge of as as a western culture it is so nuanced and and there's so much to it I, yeah i feel like that a lot of it's been hidden from us because of the translation yeah exactly i'm all about words and translations as we get into like for example um advocate which is what is that on tuesday i believe so yeah <laughs> we have two study times this week so sorry to <laughs> pack that in there but advocate go on to bible hub study advocate out in the original greek and it will blow your mind at the the loss in translation when we have things pigeonholed in our our king james um it's fun you're gonna not want to miss Tuesday or watch the recording of Tuesday because there's advocate. It, it's a huge one, but all of them are. When we look at the originals, the, the Hebrew language is, is a key that helps us unlock um, God, that we can actually access him and approach him uh, in new ways because I don't know. I, I don't know even how to describe it, but it, it is a key that unlocks things for sure. <laughs> sorry i get really passionate and my heart's racing <laughs> going back to the savior's temptations i think that's amazing that he would come down as uh a mar and live among us and become like a mortal to take upon a, himself everything so that he could understand and help us yeah isn't that amazing like as a god uh, you know, sometimes we, we think of getting fanned and eating grapes and the, the luxury life. You know, you've made it. You're a god now, right? But man, um, welcome to the brotherhood of suffering. Like, he comes down to pay ultimate prices to actually bring us back. Um, yeah, like what you said, just amazing. That love, that charity that he exemplifies in his condescension. Can I, can we go back for just one second? Yeah. I said that. Um, to page three. And um, 
the, the grapes and all that that did that for me. So this talks about ruling. And so it's Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And um, it's the second paragraph. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet and um, by the prophet and thou Bethlehem. Um, I probably went up a little too far, but in the land of Judah are not the least among these princes, princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. And when you look in the related content, I looked doing it on my phone. It says rule means um, to tend, protect and nurture. And he he couldn't have done any of those things for us unless he had, um, he, he can rule and reign he, if he didn't learn um, all of those things and all of that is encompassed in um, experiencing the same things that we did and how con contrary the rulers of the world today are. Um, Tending, protecting, you know, looking at the, the shepherd and nurturing night and day. Yeah, I love that. It's an amazing thing because like we we sometimes just pigeonhole our definitions. Like we get one definition of a word and that's just kind of what we stick with. But the word rule, it, that's so enlightening. I hadn't looked that up before. To tend and protect and nurture. What, what beautiful imagery in that. And like, is it King Benjamin? I can't even remember. I'm bad at my references all of a sudden. But um, like, it would be fine. God would would love you to have kings if they could always be righteous, if they could do those kind of things. But <laughs> kings think in themselves to rule, and and sometimes it, it gets a little off. And and we don't want that. We want a, a shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of translations and stuff, it's interesting to note in that same section there, um, they presented unto him gifts, right? I, you've probably heard this in, in different ways, but uh, we, we always think of it as three gifts, but there's not three gifts. There's two gifts. There's golden frankincense, which is a super rare type of frankincense, and uh, myrrh. So he's given these, these two gifts. And... Um, but with the translations, there's been many different hands that have had that translation and it, it merges into... Wait a second. Are you kidding? There wasn't gold. There wasn't money because they said that the money was to get to Egypt. There's no money. It's just golden. The color of frankincense, golden frankincense. What? Uh -huh. The golden frankincense. Oh, so many things are just so fouled up. Oh, my heck. And, and so, you know, like that story there, right? You know, the gold to get to Egypt and everything. Who said it? What scripture says that? It's just an interpolation. Oh, the precepts of men are so deep. I thought they were already in Egypt. Uh -huh. So yeah, like he's three years old at this point, right? Like he's not a young child. And and because there's three gifts, we always say that there's three wise men to, to accompany that each wise man gave him a, a gift. But, you know, I'm probably stepping in it here. But if you look at, original translation and lots of midrash and and things 
those those wise men actually came from the Americas, and they could very well be Samuel the Lamanite and um, possibly Alma. Because golden frankincense actually comes from the Americas. It, that's why it was so rare, because nobody had access to it over in Judea. But anyway, that's that a whole rabbit hole for a different. It took <laughs> quite a while to get there, too. Yeah. Oh, wait a second, go back. <laughs> where, where do you learn that these two people from the Americas, what did you say, Samuel and who did you say? It could be Alma, you know, being both translated beings that um, they were able to. Translated beings. Interesting. And what I don't know. Those are, those are just, just different Jewish traditions and things saying that those wise men, we always think of them as Arabian for some reason. They said they came from the East, but if you look at all biblical prophets up until that point, the East meant across over to the other continent, to the Americas. Um, that's interesting. But anyway, I don't know that because those are just, you know, uh, you find those in in midrash and uh, different apocryphal accounts and things. So who knows? Hmm. But again, that they were following uh, cosmological signs and dreams in order to get to there. So they were obviously men of God and knowing the scriptures, etc. <clears throat> but being warned in a dream, just like, um, what's his name? <laughs> Joseph was warned in a dream, just like anybody else was. We always think there's three wise men. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we don't know. It doesn't no, matter. We, we have no idea how many there are. <laughs> Wow, we started talking about dreams and here we are towards the end talking about dreams again. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fulfilled its chiastic structure and we're done. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. It's interesting to me that with the frankincense and the myrrh, their gifts that um, I don't know if they got saved or if they're just symbolic, but they're things that would be used at his burial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, frankincense and myrrh are definitely used in, in the embalming process. But, you know, if that's the case, and if those things did get saved and everything, what, <laughs> like, say that you're Mary and Joseph and receiving these wise men or whatever, and they come in and give your kid embalming gifts. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. <laughs> well, they're really nice ones, though, so we'll, we'll take them. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, anything else that uh, you'd like to, to talk about there? Can I ask a question about that, Frank? Incense and myrrh. Mm -hmm. um, isn't that dug from the ground? And somewhere I heard that you don't need to burn it. It just smells naturally. Anybody hear that? I'm not exactly sure. It's just something sticking in my head. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, my dad actually bought some or whatever to <laughs> play around with it and, and test it out and stuff. I, I, I don't know. It, 
that information if anybody has frankincense comes from a tree and it's only certain trees that they'll even let you harvest it from so it's very very rare very precious but it's also very beneficial in healing it's not just used at the burial it's a very both frankincense and myrrh are both both very healing or they're considered a herb because they do come from trees and that I know that much mm -hmm. do you dig in the ground for it or you it's no it's in the no, tree it's in the trees and they they're only limited ones because they're in there aren't a lot of them so and it is from the middle east where you get that from isn't mm -hmm. frankincense like a a um, sap from the tree yes mm -hmm. yep and then they render it and pull out the oils out of it and they'll do it as a an essential oil too or but it's very very it's very healing it if you have arthritis it helps with that it helps your skin tone it helps it's helpful in many many things and so is myrrh mm -hmm. yeah i was just looking up myrrh because i i'm totally unfamiliar with it but it says that it's also a gum or a resin um, yeah. from a tree as well yeah, bo both of them are yeah yeah i don't know But I, I don't know, there's lots of tree imagery, right? And, and the burning bush and the tree of life and um, the tree Lehi saw as being kind of a flame, you know? So like taking um, frankincense and myrrh, both being resins off of trees that are burned. And, and they flavor. heal and they are healing. Yeah, like it, it puts a lot of imagery into the tree of life or the, the different... Um, spiritual trees that we have mentioned right like hmm, i never thought about that. that's interesting yeah i don't know i, I would love to to know um uh, where that that ground reference um because it, it's something important there and and uh, where that comes from or what it's applying to and and things I'd love to know um yeah anyway anything else that anybody has comments or questions or anything on um we'll, we'll take a break uh here in five or so minutes and um in between our two things and then we'll switch gears into come follow me but just kind of following up on topical guide do we ever talk about conference <laughs> i forgot about that yeah we we did on the couple thursdays past or whatever but um it was scheduled for tonight and i totally forgot about that and with this this new schedule so yeah if you have questions or comments on conference and different things we can do that kind of in this um I, did you do that i'll look at your recording and, and listen to that one mm -hmm. okay. yeah wasn't conference so great <laughs> there was so many different things that um wait what night did you do the com you did a, a discussion already at a zoom conference uh-huh yeah um what was what that? Was it? it was our, our Wednesday one. So it was the Wednesday right after conference. Yeah, but, but we can definitely can talk about it tonight too. Can you put that in the chat? Uh-huh. You get that, you can get that faster than I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to watch that. What did I think of conference? It was incredible. Elder Bednar? Oh my heck. Oh, that was an amazing. Elder Bednar's um, April talk, his July Liahona and his October conference talk and put them together as a trilogy. I love that. 
that's one thing that I really learned with President Nelson and putting together his book and stuff. Like many times he gives kind of trilogy things or, uh, you know, especially when he gives a talk at BYU and then later kind of summarizes it and gives it at conference or, or things like it's so interesting just studying conference isn't enough you kind of have to study the context of what they're learning at the time and um, seeing all of the different talks that are surrounding it so that with Bednar's is going to be a really fun uh, one I haven't studied those three together Yeah, I want to read them, Cameron, with the idea of the definition of Zion, because they started out with helping the poor at the beginning. And I thought, you know, one heart and one mind and no poor among them. I wanted to, to look at, see if they all fit that definition. Mm -hmm. And they're calling us to be a Zion people. And I, I've only gotten through a couple of them, but I'm uh -huh. like, hmm, it'd be interesting to see if they all have something that pertains to that statement. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to do yeah. that one too. I know that um, you can print out your general conference things or you could get the Leahona and get it, but um, Inklings on Instagram has a um, thing with the study lines on the side. Uh huh. You can print out an Inklings. Does it have the footnotes as well? It does have footnotes, yeah. Oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. That's such a good resource. And then she's, they're doing that every Thursday morning if you needed more mm -hmm. connections. <laughs> I still have to work on mornings, darn it. <laughs> but you can listen to it afterwards. You can listen to it anytime. Oh. Yeah. And then she's starting a thing on the third Wednesday every month. She's, um, Emily is doing Grace. Okay. Yeah. Fun. If you didn't catch Anthony Sweat when she did his, that was really awesome. He, mm -hmm. he on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Anytime you get those two in, in the same room, it's got to be great. <laughs> right. But I guess she just put in a put together a curriculum of grace that she'll be doing. Mm -hmm. Starting the, the third. Is it this Wednesday? Is it third? Let's see. I guess starting this Wednesday night. Uh-huh. The third Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And you can pick them up on, on Instagram anytime on Inklings. Mm -hmm. They're recordings. So you don't have to go on her time, but a printout of conference was really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting that and being able to study it and digest it and right. Well, I see you try to print some of the talks and it comes out with pictures and yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna print this and I'm glad I did. And then there's a little checkoff, like the stuff, the talks that she's going to do, there's a checkoff page for that. And then she has them all in order too. So that's really fun. Mm -hmm. So here's their, you can see this. This is the one she's doing. So there's a little page in little boxes that you can check off mm -hmm. or lines, I guess. And then this is the boxes you can check off when you study them. This is a conference talks. Yeah, what a handy reference. There's not page number. Oh, there is page numbers. No, I'm sorry. There is page numbers. So there's, um, it's only 131 pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good year-long curriculum there. <laughs> uh, I love that. 
<laughs> is anyone else frustrated with the learn of me workbook like i mean that cover is like the worst possible idea anyway i finally chopped it off and like rebound it because it was driving me absolutely bonkers <laughs> why was that why was it driving you bonkers oh um, let me get the other version of it really quick is this a weird flap or something? I don't know. Yeah. So here's a, a copy of it originally. So it has kind of like a, a spine, right? But yeah. That spine just opens up to a spiral bind. And so when you're trying to, to study and lay it flat, it oh right, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just it drove me nuts. <laughs> so anyway, I chopped off the cover and and <laughs> got it hole punched so that it's just normal. <laughs> and I can actually lay it flat. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was thinking, why doesn't this match up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whoever thought of that one, they're like, oh, yeah, that'll be cool. You know, everybody <laughs> has dumb ideas, right? <laughs> Not. Well, well, it's it's oh, sitting sorry. on the shelf. You know, you can read the. Yeah, what book it is. <laughs> but that's about the only thing it was good for. <laughs> Him. Laura, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, uh, you were sharing with us uh, a, a while about uh, your study, and I was wondering sometimes, do you just get this, do you get hit with this huge revelation? Like, because you do study so much, and I'm just wondering, like, sometimes does it just go bam? And you maybe to kind of balance it out it's it's usually it has to be fed to me someone else has to put it together that's the frustrating part I study and study I did have one though um I started studying acts acts two I guess about the um Pentecost hmm. because my son's girlfriend is Pentecostal and she's all into speaking in tongues and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I didn't get past the second chapter because I got distracted, but um, I was able to put together the reason that they were able to speak in tongues is because they were called to go out into all the world and to go out into all the world, they needed to be able to speak different tongues. And um, at the time it went all together and I'm like, oh, and look at how they have blown this up. And I remember going to um, a camp when I was about 13. My girlfriend said, if you go to my camp, I'll go to your camp. I'm like, okay. So I went to her camp and it was a Pentecostal camp. And they were speaking in tongues and dancing in the spirit and doing their healings where they put their, your hand, their head, hand on your forehead and they, people are just falling down and they're getting up and they're saying, you know, this, this is at a camp. And after that, I, I, um, I was sitting there and I was just praying, praying, praying. Heavenly Father, this doesn't feel right. If this is not right, help me to leave. And I don't even, I didn't even know where the exit was or really how to get out there. And here's my friend I'm with. And my body just gets up. It goes out the door by the stage. And I'm out in this courtyard outside by myself. And this lady walks up and she goes, let me, let me help you. And she starts speaking in tongues. I'm like, I just need my mom. I just need my mom. Wow. Give me my mom. And they took me to the office, but they wouldn't let me go home. My mom said they kept trying to talk to her and they didn't want me to leave. But this was the third night and there was still two more nights of this. I'm, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. And I don't ever remember talking to that 
that girl again. I just know that I needed to get out of there. Um, wow. So when my my son, I guess they're getting married in, in January, and I can't even talk to her about anything, but, you know, they shop on Sunday, and, you know, she says, oh, yeah, I love Jesus, but they don't go to church. <laughs> like Somewhere, I, I hope to connect with her, and, you know, I guess they're just going to get married, and that's just the way it's going to be, and they're going to have to figure it out. He knows. He knows better. He knows better. I don't know. I don't know. She's young. They're just 22. And I think someday, you know, the Lord will touch her heart and she'll learn. I hope. Anyway, do I get big revelations? No. But when somebody points it out, like this article I was telling you about the trees and the temple and Lehi's dream, that's when I get it. Or when Cameron's teaching us, or you guys say something, I'm like, oh, like, Leslie's, you know, talking about who said dreams. It's all about dreams. Oh my gosh. Like that just stood out. And I've been having, I had three, I don't ever dream. And I had three nights in a row of dreams, just weird dreams, like weird dreams, weird dreams, three nights in a row. And I, I need to write them down. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. And, and I, and the only time I ever would dream is if I took a nap and I woke up, I would have these weird dreams. But these were solid sleep, all night dreams. And three of them, and I know three is a number, so the Lord's trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, this will be a thing soon that my study will, will bring revelations and maybe they'll come in dreams, you know, I don't, I don't know. Hey, Laura. Yeah. When I joined the church, I was almost 21. And these, this couple, older couple adopted us. So she was like our mom, my mom in the church. And she <clears throat> really thin for her. And she saw good and bad on both sides. Anyway, the way she taught me the gospel was through that framework. So I automatically, from the beginning, believed that I could see angels. And I believed all these things that maybe your average member doesn't believe. And so I'm wondering if you're just holding yourself back because you don't believe that you can, or there's some aspect to that. I don't know, because I've been able to to feel things and see things that most other people just, you know, not, I shouldn't say most, but I don't know that many other people don't. And so I just wanted to share that just in case Thank that's you. it. You're welcome. Yeah. That, and there probably is an aspect to that too. Yeah. I can relate a lot with you, Laura. Like, I feel like I feel like that most of my life, but this book I really liked because there's lots of um, introspective, like places to write and like, what are you getting out of this? Like I do better if I'm writing and stuff, but I feel a lot like that too. I can study and study and study and get like nothing out of it or remember nothing out of it, but talking about it and then writing about it kind of, I real other than the cover of this book, I really have enjoyed it. <laughs> And um, yeah, I love all the prompts. Don't you just love, cause I've 
taken the time to write in most of them, but then I also want to go put it in my scriptures too. So it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But have you enjoyed the prompts, Laura? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I need to spend some more time in this and go back over it again. And I think that, um, I don't know, I had this, I had this feeling in sacrament meeting today and I sent my husband a text and I says, let's talk about come follow me tonight. And, and I wonder if um, I'm, I'm missing something and come follow me too. Or maybe it's just remembering, I don't know. And I said, one thing that I have to do a lot is pray for the gift of remembrance. When I do have like these aha moments or when things click, then it's like, it's going to be gone the next day if I don't do something about it and stuff. And so that's a, a huge one is praying for that gift of, of remembrance and treasuring up the word kind of a thing. Right. And I wonder if as a family, if we took time, like just studying one of the topics in Come Follow Me and not like trying to get through it. I don't know. It's just like so much. Just going through Isaiah and those, was it five weeks or something? I'm like, oh my heck. Doing Isaiah for, you know, and, and we're just going to fly through this? That could be a year study. Yeah, at least. Yeah, more than that. About a lifetime. Well, yeah. I know, but for the church, for Come Follow Me, you could do Isaiah for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I re- <laughs> That would be like the best. If they came out and announced that, I'd be like, yes. But I would still like go, okay, but how are you going to do it here? But I'll, I'll take it. I'll take whatever we got. Yeah, resources they would have to have. <laughs> Where is the drive they have that you have to get through the Old Testament in a year and the New Testament in a year and the Book of Mormon? I mean, why- that's one that I really would love to see where they would split out the Old Testament into two years at least. I mean, it's so vast. And New Testament is like what? It's like this as far as chronology and everything, but like you know, I get that we need to spend a lot of time right on the Savior's words. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, let's do Genesis to whatever, and then start Isaiah, and then finish out and do a year of Isaiah, and then a second oh. <laughs> take a two-year study. <laughs> All right, study group. Yeah, those, those Book of Mormon prophets would be doing the happy dance if we did that. <laughs> I know. Well, I wonder where we got caught up and why we have to do a book a year. Where did that? Where did that happen? I mean, that's just always the way it's been. Why is that? Traditions of man. <laughs> well, in I really enjoyed that when we were doing um, the prophets and we studied the prophets, but that we were still doing, I guess seminary was doing one book a year. Yeah, yeah. but now they're following Come Follow Me. Say that yeah, again? I think it's always been to match with the seminary. So the kids no. were with us. It wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. was not. It was completely different. Two or three years, <laughs> three years ago, they changed. They're doing "Come Follow Me." So they started. So, what? Wherever you are in September, or whenever you start seminary, wherever you are in "Come Follow Me," that's what you start. You finish that book that year, then you start a new book. So they're going to start New Testament in January, and then there's a whole section of, of the scripture that they don't study with their seminary teacher all summer but we do it with our families so they still get it and that was life-changing having a well, that's, that they did they're that. hoping they're hoping that parents are stepping up and doing it right it was back in the day 
when uh, seminary was going on, since they only have four years of seminary, they matched up uh, not that that's what I thought they would they would be taught the same things that we were learning in the general church, but they did start to uh, match up the four standard works. That's where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody know anyone in curriculum? <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I really did love that when they did come out with the Come Follow Me program. It was like encouraging study groups and encouraging of like this is a a rough overview, you know, but but study what the spirit is leading you to, kind of a thing. Um because before that, I was honestly so, uh, I don't know, like everything I heard was very anti, don't study outside your family, except for at church, you know, it was very not kosher. I don't know why, but anyway, when President or Elder Cook said that and, and encouraged study groups, that was one of the main catalysts for me to actually do a virtual book club of, okay, I guess we can study outside the family. This is so weird. But well, I mean, why not? Uh, looking back, like yeah, we can choose to to study what we where the spirit is is leading every, each and every person. My husband, we're doing that. What, Lisa? Oh, I'm sorry. I I was just gonna say I'm so glad we're doing that because I was personally craving um, and trying to find people that I knew that would study with me because <laughs> mm -hmm. I always study alone. Otherwise. So yeah. this has been an answer to prayer. That's the same for me. I'm single. I'm alone. I don't have anybody here with me. So I don't have anybody to study with. Mm -hmm. My husband's parents, they were in a study group. I don't know what they studied, but in their ward, they had a study group and they always talk about that or they always did. But um, so when Come Follow Me came out, my husband and I tried to do like a Come Follow Me group in our ward for couples, you know, empty nesters or single. We had two single women that would come and that was it. Wow. I sure yeah. wish my ward would do something like that. I mean, like I said, without you guys, I'm lost. I don't, because my, 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 my ward didn't not, do it. Oh, my, my kids ward didn't do it. My kids are not active or anything. So I'm, I'm alone, you know, all the way around. Mm -hmm. yeah our ward didn't do it we did it on our own but we ah, didn't gotcha. get many people to come which was a little disappointing mm -hmm. you know and especially so. if you're like in a different calling that's not you know conducive to just i don't know I mean, <laughs> it's amazing how little time you get with each block of scriptures the way that it's set out here now not you know not mm -hmm. trying to bag on it at all but you know with isaiah we get five weeks but really we only had one week, didn't we, in our ward, where it was actually talked mm -hmm. about in Sunday school? <laughs> that was pretty challenging. Because we had state conference, we had general conference. We, had, uh -huh. we were the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. interesting how that plays out. Anyway, I'm, I'm just amazed. To... Can I say one thing? Yeah, for sure. I'm just amazed at the higher, holier way. Like, if you look back before, has it been two or three years since Come Follow Me? Three years or four years? I can't remember. It may but be since, maybe going on five because aren't we starting over again? Yeah, because it was New Testament we started with. 
But look how far we've come with our studying, not just our group, but the church in general, the people that are doing it, all the podcasts, look at all the stuff they have in the, on the website, look at that. And then, um, that's when the five, the three hour block changed and then, um, ministry changed. And I feel like that's totally higher and holier. And then the new strength of youth, I think is way, way better. Like the, it's higher and holier in so many ways. Like they really are trying to get us up there. They really are trying to push us to the Zion level. I think like, Mm -hmm. I really, I honestly, truly think the prophet is just really like begging us and like giving us baby steps. Come on, you guys can do this. Like, come on. (laughs) Exactly. You're, you muted yourself all of a sudden. In five years, I can see a huge difference, not just with me, but in like the whole, the people that are doing it, it's, it's way bigger to me. Yeah. Cause like in Sunday school, uh, granted, everybody's still at very different levels in whatever they're studying and everything, but the whole has, you know, the, the ones that are doing it, uh, they have a lot more to contribute and, and things. Uh, it's very interesting how that whole process happened yeah and we have so many more resources with all the podcasts and all that like there's i mean you could seriously study all day long and (laughs) those just that the come follow me they give you for that week which i think is so for me spiritually has been wonderful you know you just have favorite i kind of have favorites i'll come and go from (laughs) but whoever just hits you that day and then with this it's just been so awesome. I'm so thankful. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to to stop the recording for our previous thing so that we can go into, I probably should have done it earlier <laughs> since we were talking about come follow me so much, but.